In case you'd wondered what's just happened, we were hacked by Mark Lyon, who's changed the intro, so we all had to listen at 1.7 speed. Cheers for that. <laughs> Welcome to the Frequency 49 show. I'm Paul MacDonald. Alongside me are Cap Victorino, Deepak Gohill, Kev Nalen, and Rob Newell. Hello to you all. Settling, guys, this is going to take a while. The 49ers 2016 campaign has come to an end with a 25-23 loss to the Seattle Seahawks at Levi Stadium, a score that many might not have expected. But that doesn't even begin to cover the discussions for this week's show. Rumours were abound and then confirmed that Trent Balky, the evil Dark Lord of the Sith, was told on Friday that he's out the door. His reign over the San Francisco 49ers was over, and hours after Sunday's closing game of the season, Chip Kelly followed him to become our third outgoing coach in three years. Jed York made his end-of-season statement, which went something like this, It's my ball, screw you, to the group of reporters who questioned whether he should still be at the helm of the Santa Clara franchise. Talk, rumour and speculation have already started as to who should be the next GM and head coach of the 49ers. Personally, I want Kevin Costner as general manager and Bert Reynolds as head coach, but hey, what the hell do I know? <laughs> Let's ask the people on this show that actually have a clue. Guys, let, should we start with the football game that took place, the 49ers' last game of the season against Seattle? Kev, did you get what you wanted from that game? We, it, it was a close game, wasn't it? We could have had the win, we didn't quite, but... Were you happy with how the 49ers performed? Happy might be stretching it, I would imagine. Yeah, we, we played okay in parts. We played not so well in other parts. And turnovers were up and doing again. Two turnovers and they got 10 points off them. Yes. Can't keep doing that. Um, saying that, Seattle weren't great either. Um, I think overall, if that had ended in a tie, that would have been thoroughly appropriate because they were two pretty poor teams playing each other. Deepak, do you want to come in? Uh, well, Seattle didn't need to be very, very good to beat us. But, um, you know, I, I think we, we all sort of had a feeling that uh, that there was another story after the game that was going to be far more important, which, of course, we're going to cover. So I think the, <clears throat> the game itself was... OK, my positive... Um, Niner fans were there, you know, Levi's looked at least two-thirds full for a change. So people actually came to see the last game of the season. Uh, so that was good. Yeah, it was a close game, but Seattle didn't have to be very good to beat us. And as Kev said, turnovers killed us. And, you know, it's 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 always been the same old issues, the, the, the most baffling play calling we've ever seen, you know, as 49er fans. And we go back many, many years, all of us do. So... There's, there's a lot of work for whoever takes take, takes this over to, to get get into. Um, awful play calling, you know. Running up the gut on third and long. But having said that, our third down conversions, if I'm not mistaken, were pretty good um, against Seattle. I will have a look at yeah. the stats on that in a second. Um, let's bring in our local girl on the scene, Kat Victorino. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm already laughing. It was... Um, much as you expected, uh, you know, the same mistakes. Um, but we put points on the board and we kept it within two. And I think, you know, we were talking offline how it shows Seattle, how bad Seattle really is. And, um, you know, that we could keep that, keep the game that close with them. Um, but yeah, it was, you know, it was just kind of like, eh, this is it. Mm. Deepak, just so you know, our third down conversions was two of 11. Not exactly outstanding. 
Oh, I thought we, I thought we did well on third down. Maybe I was, um, I was watching somebody else. I was probably watching Atlanta. I was probably watching Atlanta and New Orleans. I think. I don't think Atlanta got to any of their third downs. They were first and second down and moving again. Every, uh, every uh, no, I think we did have one decent third down, but it was a one-yard dump-off pass that then they managed to run for 24 yards after catch. Mm. So I think that was one of our only two third down conversions. But it was again, it was a short pass. We needed we needed eight yards, and he was throwing a one yard pass, which just shows again the play calling was abysmal. Yeah. Uh, we just managed to make some work on that particular play. Rob, let's get your thoughts on the game. Yeah, I thought it was as everyone else was saying. It was it was good bits, there was bad bits, but I think it was more for me the the lack of Seattle mm. looking like they they used to look. A decent pass rush against the Seahawks is going to cause problems for them. That arrow line is is terrible. Yeah. One of the worst ones in the league. And we don't have the pass rushes to really capitalise on it. Yeah. But the fact that it was only two points was more worrying for them going to the playoffs than us. I think going into this game, their passing stats were, some, they, they were a shade over 100 yards on the ground per game. Um I don't actually know what they gained on the ground against us, but it's not going to have made a huge amount of difference. Their rushing game is, I wouldn't say catastrophically bad, but they're not going to get very far in the playoffs with that rushing game. Looking at the stats for the game, um, as we've already said, 25-23 loss. Kaepernick was 17-22, 215 yards, one touchdown. Uh, Sean Drone led rushing 41 yards off 21 carries. Uh, Cap had 5 for 16 as well. Uh, Drone also led receiving with 68 yards. 68 yards receiving is not good for the 49ers. When that's your leading receiver, um, that's just not acceptable in any way whatsoever. It was the seventh straight loss against the Seahawks and the ninth in the last 10 meetings. And the Niners have ended the season with franchise season records in total yards allowed, rushing yards allowed, and total points allowed. This season, basically, we need this season to just disappear from the record books, don't we, all together? Please. Mm. What season? (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Do you know what's the one stat that I am happy with? We won the time of possession battle again. That... <laughs> that's that's been my Bruce Ellington of this season, hasn't it? Is the, the time of possession issue? <laughs> Bring back. Actually, I I don't know where I read this particular stat. I think I might have heard it on KMBR, but there is a positive stat for this season. If we might have to check this out, but apparently this was our highest ever red zone conversion season f- for like six or seven years. That we've converted more times in the red zone than ever before. Well, when you're only there twice a game... Well, I was going to say, yeah. Is it a case that we've converted more times or that we've had a higher completion percentage? Because in well, in this w- game in particular... Yeah, it'll, be, it'll be the percentage. It won't be the yeah. total amount of time. Because it, in this no. game in particular, we were 100% in the red zone. But we were only in the red zone three times. So it's easy to have 100% completion when you're only there... Sort of once per half, maybe one and a half times. That's per right. Half. <laughs> we were in there half twice and yeah. scored. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, we've got to take any positives that we can. Um, 
Kaepernick yeah. finished the season with a passer rating of 90.7. He was sandwiched between Alex Smith and Tyrod Taylor in the rankings. Has Is, is that just simply a shop window thing now? Is he gone? Oh, I think so. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. It's I don't know. I, I, I actually do think that he could flourish somewhere else, but not, not in Santa Clara. No. I think there's too much bad blood has been spilt. And... Um, yeah, I put it on Facebook. He's divided a fan base. <clears throat> I really, do, he's almost a bit like Jed in that nothing he do can be right for one group or the yeah. other. You yeah. know, so more or less his position's untenable. And I think he needs to leave for his own career because now we're on the verge of yet another coaching change and a new general manager. This is stuff that Alex Smith had to yes. go through. And if we drafted Alex, um, uh, what's his name, Aaron Rodgers, he would have gone through the same thing. Mm. You know. So um, it might be for, in his, in the interest of his career to to leave, and uh, and and I do believe that he will flourish elsewhere. I just don't think he can do it here anymore. Well, because you brought up the um, the head coach and the GM situation, let's leave the Seattle game in the past where it is now, and let's talk about what happened both before the game and after the game. Um, rumors started coming out on Saturday. Solid rumours that Trent Bolke was out. Uh, Trent Bolke then made a statement himself to say that he had been told on Friday that he was no longer going to be the general manager of the San Francisco 49ers. Then rumours started coming out that he was actually escorted out of the building, which I didn't believe for one minute. But all season, and for more than one season, we've been saying Trent Bolke out. We've got what we wanted. What's next? Who's next? Rob. Oh, um, with Jed making the decision. <laughs> Jed and, and Parag. Oh, yeah. Is Parag um, Marath going to be involved in this decision, do you think, then? He's, yeah. Jed said so in, the, in yeah. his news conference Monday. And that just boiled my blood. Yeah, he's the only person that's actually going to sit in with Jed for the interviews. Mm. So nobody else, just him and Parag Marathe. That's his accountant. That's gonna, yeah, that's going to make things interesting then because we're going to know the details of every single interview that takes place mm-hmm. if Parag Marathe... Or is it Marathe or Marathe? I think it's Marathe. Really <laughs> it doesn't yeah. matter. We're going to know the details of Parag is the leak that we, were, that we were all told he was. We're going to know everything, including the colour of their underwear it's, from these meetings. Yeah. It's Jed and Jedder, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Should we, should we discuss the potential names that are being thrown out there for general manager? Who would you well, like to see? I think before we start sort of spraying some names around, which we're going to have to, to sort of speculate, one of the things that's been doing the rounds is that do we appoint a head coach first or do we appoint a GM who then appoints the coach? Because... The common logic is you get a GM and the GM has a philosophy and in that philosophy he'll find the coach that fits in with what his vision is. But I think we're at a stage now where a lot of teams are looking for hires and if we stall on appointing a GM, we may have to, we may have very, very slim pickings with which to work with. So on this occasion, we may end up hiring a coach just because if we don't, somebody else will have him, and then hire the GM. And then we have the potential mess that the two won't get along. Yeah. Again. You know. So, 
again, I think where this sort of falls into is, again, it's Jed York's fault because both of these two, the Chip Kelly and the general manager, should have been fired a hell of a long time before the last game of the mm. season. And that would have given the organization time to, to at least get the right <clears throat> shortlist for a GM in place that they can approach straight away. Well, or given within the limitations of when they can approach someone. Now other teams have made firings, so everyone's looking for a new coach, you yeah. know. So we're not going to have the luxury of a, of a GM who's then going to be able to to pick and choose what coach. You may just have to pick with whatever's yeah. left. Yeah, we'll look at LA. They got rid of Fisher with, was it three or four games left of the season? Mm-hmm. So you know, and Jacksonville, and Jack Jacksonville got rid of Bradley well. right yeah. away. I so mean, they, you know. they were searching back then, whereas we're only starting it now. I want to leave that just for a second. We are going to come back to it. Um, the guys on the group have sent us a lot of messages that I've not read through yet, so I'm going to be reading these straight away <laughs> with you guys. Um, a lot of them involve the GM and the head coach. I want to go back to the Trent Balky situation for a minute because it's it's stuff that I wanted to bring up and forgot to. The stories that have come out since his firing, particularly the Adam Gase story and the Dak Prescott story, being that Adam Gase was set to come to the 49ers, it was a done deal. And then Trent Balky said, no, it's not happening. And then the Chip Kelly, I want to hire Dak, I, I want to draft Dak Prescott. And Trent Balky put on the kibosh on that as well. Added to that, the story that he wasn't talking to any of the coaches. What are your thoughts on those? Is this just bad blood coming out and there may be some truth in it, not a lot of truth in it? Or are we getting the actual situation, do you think? Well, I think one thing we can establish from that is that Colin Kaepernick was not going to be Chip Kelly's quarterback then if he wanted Dak Prescott. That's a very good point, yeah. So um, there's that. Um, I mean, Trent Balky's lack of communication is all of this stuff comes out after the event so we don't know what he's like as a bloke how well he communicates while he's doing his job but now that he's gone everyone's saying Trent's like this Trent's like that it could well be that he didn't want these players and you have to ask yourself the question why didn't he want them you know where did he think we were sufficiently sufficiently stocked with talent that we didn't need those sorts of players Mm. because yeah, it's 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 just a mess. It really, really is. The the whole leak thing, the everything, you know. And I wouldn't be surprised if Jed had leaked those particular stories out just to to well, actually no, because Jed and Trent Balky are very, very close personally, you know. Mm. And I, 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 it's my understanding that as as their personal relationship is fairly intact, you know. And Jed had told him that you'll be well compensated for, for this. You know, you're, you're still going to be my friend. You just won't work for me, you know, and you'll easily get a job somewhere else, which is fair enough, you know. So it might have been Chip Kelly's people that put that leak in because it's then <clears throat> putting Chip Kelly in the light. Come and get me. I know the kind of player that I want. If I had the players that I wanted, then I would have been more successful, but nobody would help me have what I wanted. So this car crash in San Francisco is not my fault because they wouldn't give me what I needed. Yeah. You know, so it, it could be some of Chip Kelly's PR people who, who, who leaked that. But the whole point of this is, you know, it's, it's unclassy for an, for an organization to have people who behave like this. And the reason why people in the organization behave like this is because the bloke at the very top 
behaves like yeah. this. Okay, so you know we can't even win with class. We can't even suck with class. <laughs> you know that's how bad it is. Where there's a culture of leaks to take pot shots at people within the organization who are, are leaving or thinking of leaving, and it could even damage their potential opportunities for for employment elsewhere. You know, and don't forget, and I've said this so many times on this podcast, nobody wanted Chip Kelly. We actually approached him. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody wanted him. But know? again, that was that was another situation where we'd left it so late to even properly yeah. go looking for a head coach that everybody else was gone. We were looking in the in the bargain basement bin. And we we said it last year as a collective that the only person who's come out of this smelling of roses is our long lost friend Jim Tom Sula. He must be laughing his head off mm. right now because this thing you know firing three coaches at the end of each season yes chip kelly had to go yes tom sula had to go even though we love him dearly and there's a there's a case to be made that harbour had to go too because he was eight eight and eight and the team was in deep in regression under his watch you know under his watch so um that did you so, see the stat in the game on the only other team to do this is us yeah well. yeah yeah and that was uh well well the end of it, we ended up with um, Bill Walsh. But again, this regression under Harbour, I think he has to take a share of blame for it. But I, I think a regression comes from the top and filters its way throughout. It permeates throughout the entire organisation. Don't, you know? don't forget, though, that the regression was immediately after the Super Bowl season, where yeah. we lost a hell of a lot of players from that Super Bowl team. So you are... Well, they all... They all left at the same time, okay? They all left within the same window, if you will. Mm. And maybe, uh, and we, we we felt this at the time, was that they actually just didn't want to be there anymore. Mm. You know, they just didn't want to play for that team anymore. They wanted rid, and they got rid. Yeah. Going back to the Adam Gase story, there was rumours from his camp at the time that he, he was told he had to have Banjo as its defensive coordinator if he took the mm, job that's right. I wonder if that's outdated, but that's what Trent said no to because he wouldn't take that I wonder if this rumour now backs up what happened quite possibly allegedly yeah. before let's take a look at some of the comments that have come in on Facebook um, as I say I'm reading these first time now so some of them may duplicate information or duplicate questions David Young my question would be if owners don't fire themselves when do they finally realise they are part of the problem and not part of the solution. That's actually a great question. Obviously, <laughs> an owner can't fire themselves. And we discussed in last week's show that no, the NFL aren't going to try and get rid of the Yorks as the owners of the team because it, it's not in their benefit too. But are there any owners out there that have decided enough's enough, I can't take this team any further? and sold the team on it's never the owners that take the teams forward it's the it's the personnel that are in place starting from a general manager head coach and players but they are the win games it, they are the all, ones all an owner has to do Paul all an owner has to do is sign the checkbook and make an appearance in the locker room once in a blue moon that's all they have to do mm. but while the team is under their care if you like they do have a duty in hiring the right people having the of right course. people in place, which the Yorks haven't done. What I'm, and, and that's, what I'm saying is... That's the damnation on the Yorks, yeah. you know, because they're, they're not football people. 
and they're very, very wealthy. All they have to do is offer a lot of money to a consultant who knows the game inside out, mm. has networks, and pay him to look for the football people instead of doing it themselves. Yeah. You know? I mean, the Yorks aren't the type of people that are going to say, we screwed this up, we're going to walk away from the team. We know that. Um, which is, unfortunately, you know, there's not a whole lot that anyone can do about that, unfortunately. All we can do is hope they realise that they haven't got the football knowledge that they like to think they have and that they'll make those right, like you say, Deepak, bringing in a consultant, bringing in somebody that will run the team for them rather than... But even if even if they did admit it, it's not going to really make much difference because unless they do things differently, it's going to happen again and again yeah. and again. You know, And Jed in his press conference says he doesn't look back. He doesn't believe in looking back which was a very, very careless thing for him to say because there's a lot of things you can learn from your past and there's a lot of mistakes that we all make in our lives in the past that we learn from, you know, and he wasn't willing to concede that point that he'd actually made a mistake because by doing so, the bar of expectation will immediately rise that now he's sort of learnt his lesson, he's going to do it right and if he doesn't do it right, then it's going to get even worse for him, mm. <clears throat> you know. And... Well, the to his credit, he did say in his press conference that he is, you know, talking to other people who do have a history with the Niners, intimating that he's talking to Steve Young and 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 um, Brent Jones and Joe Montana and not naming names mm. because I can guarantee you those guys came along and said, yeah, we'll help you, Jed, but you're not attaching my name to it Yeah. in case it all goes wrong. But at least he had the balls to admit, yeah, I am getting advice from other sources. I'll give him that much, but that's as much as I'm giving mm. him. And I think he got that. I think he leveraged those people through his uncle because I don't think if he'd approached them by himself, they would have given him the time of day. You know, I think his uncle probably le leveraged those meetings for those guys. But again... <laughs> You know, those guys were great football players, but there isn't any evidence that they're great administrators or front office people. Well, this is, there, this, there isn't this is the issue, isn't it? They they don't have experience in that field. Um, somebody brought up earlier on today, I can't remember who it was, John Elway has done this kind of thing at Denver and been successful with it. But there's no guarantee that when John Elway took over, you know, that franchise could have been in the same sort of situation that we're in now. But to, yeah. John Elway, he he stepped away from football. He didn't go straight into the GM mm. position. He went and ran a, an arena league team. Yeah. So he had the experience of running a franchise, although on a smaller, smaller yeah. scale. But he was involved in an admin sports role mm. right. prior to coming back to the Broncos. He didn't go straight Yeah, in. yeah, exactly. It's not like this league where, over here where players go straight into management. Mm. As much intellect as these men have and experience and know the game, you know, they don't know the business because they haven't been on that end of it. And uh, coupled with the fact that they're probably very perfectly happy living the lives that they live right now. Mm. Yeah. You know, you've got Steve Young who makes one appearance a week during the season on ESPN and, you know, and he does a, a phone call radio show to uh, KNBR for 10 minutes, you know, and he's living his life. I mean, you know, I just, I don't see those guys coming into, into this kind of capacity where it's day in, day out, the stress, the, you know, managing the, the personnel, the contracts, the, the talent, the, you know, it's a big job. I don't think they they would want it. 
the person he should be talking to advice for probably is his uncle. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Let's go to the next question. Uh, Andrew Mitchell, who will be our new GM? Who will be our new head coach? Just a name from each of the guests at the end of the show. So we'll sort that one out at the end of the show. Jason Argo, is this the least attractive of any of the open jobs? And how much uh, how much will Jed put people off coming to the 49ers? He doesn't say whether that's head coach or GM, but I suppose it applies to both. Also, will any of the available quarterbacks be interested in coming to the 49ers? He'd like Tyrod Taylor. How much of the current roster are the new regime likely to keep? Personally, I think there's going to be quite a big clearing house of the roster. Um, we're going we're going to see second, third string players disappearing off to other teams based on the performances they've put in. Any of the available quarterbacks coming in? If the money's right, anybody's going to walk in, aren't they? But it's going to have to be a lot of money. Yeah, if they if they write the check, yeah, they'll do it. But It could be a, a mercenary year for somebody who wants to retire. I think they've got one more season in them to try and just play out one more year. Mm. don't know. But, I mean, <laughs> we don't know. We actually... Hang on. I think Colin Kaepernick's out of contract now, right? No, and he's so got the option uh, to opt out of his contract at the end of this. Well, he's got, he's got the option to opt out now. And what about Blaine Gabbert? Is he still um, on, under contract? He's, he's a free agent. He's a free agent. So that leaves us with one, Christian Ponder. Who now, I thought was also a free agent. <laughs> he is all three alike. To yeah. be gone. Right. So as of right now, we actually don't have a quarterback. I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't throw, but I'll do it. Well, we've not had a quarterback for the last 17 weeks, so it makes no difference. <laughs> <laughs> so it makes no difference. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm, he's not wrong. I wouldn't be the most mobile of quarterbacks, put it that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but you might be caught knocked down. <laughs> this oh, is very minute. true. Now, there's a thought. Yeah. <laughs> we've got the wrong people at quarterback. Joe Staley for quarterback. <laughs> We'll put Kaepernick on the line. No, Kaepernick at receiver. That'd be an interesting <laughs> oh. thing. Um, attractiveness of the opening jobs. Is Jed York likely to turn the right people off from wanting to come to the 49ers? Possibly, yes. But I think we're probably equal at the bottom for least attractive. Because who in their right mind, as it stands at the moment, wants to go to San Diego either? Yeah. Because they've got all they've got all sorts of problems around where are they going to be playing? Are they going to have a a stadium to play in? Or what city they're going to be playing in? Mm. That's all up in the air as well. You got to keep in mind though, there's only 32 of these positions in the league. You know, so if you're offered this position, how unattractive is it really going to be? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean it's. It, it's not. It's not a, a common position. I wouldn't have thought the Jacksonvilles was particularly attractive either, with the rumours well, of potential movement yeah. to to England possibly. Mm. They're good points, um, especially the fact that there are only thirty-two general manager jobs, and I suppose if you're a former general manager who is currently out of work, you know, could it be a case that anyway? There's anywhere probably a good, good reason for that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is. This um, is true. Trent Bunky's out of work. No, I'm not even going to consider that oh, one. Oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> no, I, I would. Um, I think I would be forced to burn jerseys if Trent Bunky came back. Um, 
Mark Lyon. With him in <laughs> Let's go on to the next question. Mark <laughs> Lyon. Question one. Will the new head coach or general manager have an ACL problem? I think that was a little tongue-in-cheek. Um, question two. On the assumption that we need three quarterbacks on the roster next season, we've just been saying about all three possibly being um, gone, um, none of the current three would make it, and that given our massive needs, we will probably draft only one QB this year. Which other two QBs would you sign in free agency? I would have to know which QBs are actually available, available. To, be, to be able yeah. to answer that. So I honestly do not know. Uh, and is well, is, isn't Tyrod Taylor going to be available? Yes, he is. Um, and Jason Argos already said that he would go for him. Uh, Taylor, after what happened, Buffalo benching him for that last game is not happy up in Buffalo. Mm. So he, he, well, he could well be interested, but I think it depends who gets that coaching job. It's another team that. Have, that are looking for a coach now after Rex has gone. Um, but t- is Tyrod really that good, though? Would be the question. Um, he's benefited from having Shady McCoy behind him this year in the running team, but he's not a top 10 quarterback. You know, I, think he's, I think he's finished like 15th or 16th in the rankings. That's, that's, still, that's still 15 or 16 places higher but, than any of ours. So. Right, exactly. I would probably favour a more experienced one like Deepak was saying and draft a a sort of third or fourth rounder to, to for a couple of years time yeah. down the line. But yeah. Go, going back to the comments, James Waters, um, he thinks Steve Young would be a good choice as the general manager because as it's a full rebuild, then you have to cut your teeth somewhere. We're better than a brand he knows. The only problem with that mm. is Jed York himself as would he want somebody in the job who was a big fan favourite and a player favourite, somebody who could undermine Jed York's sense of power? Or would Jed York prefer to go with somebody that is just you know, basically be a yes man? There's a reason why Steve Young would be a hideous choice for GM. And that is, if we love Steve Young, okay, we all do. Let, let's not beat about the bush. But if he crashed and burned and the team crashed and burned... Yeah. Yeah. Just think about that because then it'll go back to Jed and be like, you're an idiot. You hired a rookie who's never mm-hmm. been a... Why would you hire someone who's never been a GM before? Blah, blah, blah. And and for that, you know, if Jed was to bow down to fan pressure and do that, he won't because he's a businessman. Businessmen don't make emotive decisions, you know. So it would be a complete and utter mitigating disaster if we were to hire ex-players just because of some kind of nostalgia trip. It just makes no sense at all. Unless they're talented and they can do the job, but I don't know about Steve Young. Right now, this uh, this is going to be the most important hire in 49ers history because if we don't get it right this time, it's going to be all hell to pay. You know, we thought this season was bad. It's going to be even worse for the front office if we have another appalling season. I lose so many games again. It's just going to be unacceptable um, in terms of business. You know. But for now, they've kept the business side of things. It's you know they've, they've sold the suites and everything. But if people don't renew seat licenses, etc., it's going to hurt them so much, you know. And I don't think they've got the the flexibility to make mistakes or or try something by giving just because he happened to be a good player once upon a time the the <laughs> the keys to the car and say here have a go, you know. We need somebody who's long in the tooth and knows what they're doing. I think that's, in a nutshell, that's hit it spot on. I think mm-hmm. when Jed, once you're trying to build power, what's really power to? Like, yeah. 
and and he needs to sell those licenses. He wants people in the stadium buying the merchandise, and the more the losing record continues, the less likely that is to happen. So this is the big decision. He's got to get this one right to keep people coming back. Steve Panda Richardson's got an interesting, different view on it. Um, pretty much all we have right now is the hope and thought that it's almost impossible to get much worse than it is. We need people from outside the 49ers organization. We need fresh eyes and a fresh perspective. This is the interesting bit he's put. We also need Jed to get out of the owner's luxury box and walk in the locker room and along the sidelines. He needs to forget about being an owner and be a fan again. That way players will want to play for him. <laughs> he probably doesn't want to after Jim Harbaugh told him it was for men only. Wow. Okay, <laughs> right. Right. I'm going to come back on that one. Because a story came out yesterday, I think it was, that Jim Harbaugh didn't say this meeting is for men only. The wording was this meeting is for the men only, meaning the players. And has, has this been somebody spinning something to sort of... Look how easy that is to spin. Yes. That's so yes. easy to yeah, spin, Just by it? removing one word. You, you, you know, you've changed the context completely of a comment that's been made. And the, th- the thing is with Harbaugh, I could imagine him saying either of them, quite possibly. Yeah, true. But it is much more likely that he has, you know, Jed's walked into the room and he said, you need to go, this meeting is for the men only. And, you know, that that's that's an interesting thing. But let's get, let's get back to, to Steve's point. If Jed did come out of the owner's box and start walking the sidelines, mingling with the players again, would that make a difference or has too much water gone under the bridge, has too much damage been done to his status now? He's got to start somewhere, though. That's the thing. Yeah. He's got to do something to rebuild this relationship and show that he does love football. So you, you don't think it's beyond, uh, beyond the point I, of no return now? No. I mean... No. No. It, no. <laughs> Listen, mate, I, I promise you something, and I absolutely promise you this. If we were to win a championship, all of this would be forgotten. There'll be Niner fans upon Niner fans saying, I never doubted Jed, mm. you know, you all were harsh on him, I believed yeah. in him. You're going to get all that crap. Yep. But you know what? As soon as we are successful, then, yes, you will see Jed on the sidelines because, you know what? It's his team. He, if, if his team is a champion, he, he has every right to, to strut on the sidelines mm. with them, you know. But I guarantee you, from a fan perspective, if we were to ever start winning, if we won that sixth Super Bowl, take it to the bank when I tell you that Niner fans are going to say we never doubted Judd. We, we always knew yeah. that he was going to do it. I stood by him even though the he haters the did pedigree, this. Blah, yeah. Blah. yeah, I believed in him when you all were calling him this, that, and the other. You're going to get all of that, you know, and it's... Again, it's not just, <laughs> I feel awful for saying this, it's not just a team that's regressed. Our fan base has degenerated into something utterly unspeakable in terms of how how horrifically bad we are as fans. I have heard some utter rubbish from from people. Even now, um, you, you know, you've got, you got people talking about whether Kaepernick could take another team to the Super Bowl and whether it's the O-line or whether it's the D-line. It's like, Guys, we suck. The, Fra- the San Francisco 49ers suck at every single level. I would imagine, I can't say for sure, but I would imagine even the hot dog seller sucks right now as well. 
<laughs> so who knows? The thing is, though, Paul, you've got to make a, an important distinction here. It's not just the team that sucks. It's yes. actually the organization top to bottom. Yes. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. It's, you know, it's it's the franchise itself is in abject turmoil yeah. right now. <clears throat> um, and, you know, you've... Uh, <laughs> As much as though we all dislike him and everything, I actually feel quite sorry for Jed York because this is either fix it or if he doesn't, his life is going to be awful for him. He really is at last chance saloon with this project, you know. The thing is, even in last chance saloon, he can sit there for as long as he wants. Or his parents let him. And that's the problem. Well, I think... I don't think his parents are going to do anything, to be honest with you. I don't think John and Denise have any interest in the team whatsoever. They're, they, they don't, they're not into football. That's not their thing. Mm. Why don't they let it go then? You know, let, let somebody else buy it. But, well, because, I, know, I know the answer to that. It's yeah. Because that, <laughs> that shiny stadium in Santa Clara has paid for itself now, and it's a cash cow. It's making money for them yeah. on a daily basis. Yeah. You know, it's paid for. It's freehold. Why would you sell something that's generating you millions of dollars a year uh, on top and you've returned your investment on it? You know, they're businessmen. Of course they're going to keep it. Yeah, that's why they won't one, sell it. One last question from the group. Um, this one's how long is a piece of string it really is. How many years do we think it will take to challenge for the NFL West division, let alone championship or Super Bowl? So let, let's just stick with NFC West. How long do you think it will be before the 49ers can challenge legitimately for the NFC West title? Well, do you remember when Mike Singletary was fired? Jim Harbaugh took us to the NFC Championship game in his very first season, didn't he? He did. But he had a lot of talent that he inherited too. Mm. He did, but it was the same team that sucked so bad under Singh. Um, but but yes, not as bad as we suck now. No, the nucleus of the team was 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 very, very talent-stacked. Mm. Yeah, very talent-stacked indeed. It's hard to say. That's a really difficult question to answer. How how long can we be before we become competitive? No, I'm saying it could be only a couple of years, but not necessarily because the 49ers get that good. I mean, if you look at divisions like NFC East last year, um, AFC South, these divisions are being won on nine and seven or eight and eight. Yeah, yeah. Seattle. Are on a their record really flatters them this season. Cardinals haven't been great. The Rams are still going to be rubbish. So a, a couple of decent off seasons, getting good draft picks, working free agency well, we could be at eight and eight, nine and seven level, and the rest of the division could come back to us quite easily. And that, again, it's going to go back to who does Jed bring in as GM and head coach? That's really going to be the key. Uh, what you've said, Kev, was actually going to be my point as well, my, my thoughts on it. It's not so much how much the 49ers improve, it's how much the other three teams regress. The Rams, well, We don't care if other teams regress, though, do we? No, really? no, <laughs> no. no. We, well, well, we do care because the more they regress, the better it is for us. And yeah, absolutely. The, the earlier it is that we've got a chance of winning the NFC West, the thing is they are regressing. Seattle, Seattle have shown serious flaws this season. Arizona aren't the team anybody expected to be this season, and the Rams are just the Rams. We, you know, we've beaten them 
the last three the last three times we've played them. So that's our last three victories. That is our last three victories in the last <laughs> twenty games, which is shocking because oh, we're zero and seventeen against everybody else. But the point is that again, I agree with Kev. I think it could be with you know in the next two seasons we could possibly challenge for the NFL for the NFC West simply because the NFC West could be the worst division in the NFL again as it was a few seasons ago woohoo the basement oh right <laughs> <laughs> uh, that that's it for the comments that we've had um, through the Frequency 49 show group. So thank you very much for them. Um, do you know, <laughs> we've got so far through this show already and I haven't even started to touch on the pick six. I think we need to take a look at that now. So Kev, we over to you um, for the pick six. Paul, we haven't even mentioned names, potential coaches. That's, for the, doing that? that's for the end of the show, Deepak. Okay. okay. <laughs> that's, that's the pick six, Deepak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pick the six most likely candidates. So you have pick a tie now. <laughs> yes, we're going to have coaching by committee next season. Oh yes. Oh. So it was the final week of the regular season's pick six, and we had one person manage to get the pick six in the last week. So congratulations to um, Gareth Corser, who got all six. Very well done. Um, yeah, I managed my normal one this week. Hey. But feeding into that, it was the uh, last week of the season, so the overall competition for the season is now complete. And Mark Cornt won it by a single point on 65 from Mark Leon on 64. Then we have three people on 63 with Andrew Eiffel, David Foster and Mike Graff. Congratulations to all of them. It was close up to the last game. Um, only one person could have caught Mark Court, and that was Mark Baylor. And at one point, there were a couple of games, the way they were going, they were the other way around and he was on to catch him. Um, but then 49ers threw away their lead. And um, the Redskins failed to rally against the Giants. Elsewhere in the uh, presenters, Brian got 58, Cap got 57, Deepak and Paul got 56, Rob got 55, and I managed a massive 41. Um, overall, we also had a look at um, averages for the season. So some people didn't get their picks in every week. Mm. We had five mm. people get an average of four or more. Two of them only chose picks in one week. So Nathaniel Smith and Stephen Box. But then um, Richard Burley played for over half the season. He got well over four as an average. And then we had Ivan SF Alonso, who also joined about halfway through the season. And then Rob Martin, who was in for the last four weeks. And that wraps up the season for this year. Congratulations to Mark Corn for winning. Um, I take some to, and, and thanks for everyone for getting involved. Yeah, uh, to be so tight at the top as well. That's um, that, that's been an over an overwhelming success, hasn't it? Really, the pick six. 
Yeah, and I think um, <clears throat> yeah, we've got to take a take our don our hats to you for uh, for facilitating this and making it such an enjoyable feature that yes. everybody seems to to really like, you know. And uh, and I can see this going from strength to strength as we yeah. as we move forward. So thank you, Kev, for investing so much time into making this entertaining and and great fun for everybody. Okay. Second that so, one. Carrying on from that, we've then swept straight into the playoffs. Now, obviously, when you get into the playoffs, it's a bit difficult to have six games every week because you only start with four, and then there's another four, and then there's a two, and then there's a one. But we still have people picking six things this week. So you have the four playoff games, and then to make up the six picks this week, we've got the highest and the lowest scorers as you think they're going to be. So we'll rattle straight into the playoff games. Okay. And we'll go... The first playoff game is the Raiders at the Texans. Uh, Paul? If Derek Carr hadn't gone down, I think Oakland would be a shoe-in for this game. They may not have even been playing this game if Derek Carr had gone down. But Oakland on the road to Houston without him at quarterback... No, I think they're going to go out of the playoffs in the first round and it's going to be a Houston win at home. I agree with Paul. The the Raiders have got a rookie quarterback starting in Houston. Yeah, I'm going with the Texans. Okay, Deepak. I agree with Paul in that if Derek Carr hadn't got himself injured, I think Raiders would have gone all the way. But uh, I think the ghost of Al Davis has got something to say about this story. I think the Raiders are going to win. <clears throat> okay, and Rob? I think that Jadavian Clowney is going to kill Connor Cook and the Texans are going to win. Okay, so for three of you, it's bad news because I've gone for the Texans as well. Um, yeah, even though the Texans are just as bad at quarterback, the Raiders' options are pretty thin and I think that uh, they will manage to, Texans will manage to squeak a win out. Although I said that about them going into their playoff game last season and they got an absolute thrashing. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on to game two, we have the Lions at the Seahawks. Cat. Oh, I don't see either team doing well, to be honest with you, in this game, but I think home field advantage is going to be the the, the kicker for the Seahawks, so I'm going to have to pick Seattle. Deepak? Yeah, I fully agree with Cat. I think the fact that it's a in Seattle is is going to be the reason why the Seahawks will win. Though, if it was in Detroit, I would have gone for the Lions. But no, I think the home field advantage would be too much. Rob, I'd really want the Lions to do it, but the home field's <laughs> too much, so I'm going to have to go with the Seahawks as well. Paul, am I right in thinking that the Arizona game that Seattle lost was actually in Seattle? Yes, it was. Detroit win. <laughs> Paul, you'll be pleased to know I've also gone for the Lions. No! Seeing as I've <laughs> <laughs> seeing as I've already jinxed them this season by saying they would be the NFC team to get to the Super Bowl. Plus the fact that there's no way on earth I can pick the Seahawks, I've gone for the Lions. Yeah, I'll let you off with that one then, Kev, just because there is no way you can pick Seattle. Yeah. Game three, the Dolphins at the Steelers. Deepak. Oof, I'm going to go with the Steelers, even though they narrowly avoided defeat against Cleveland. But this is the playoffs. It's different. And the Steelers are at home. Yeah, I think Pittsburgh will win this. Rob? Yeah, I think the Steelers will make up for the 
the fact they lost to the Dolphins earlier. Game revenge. It's the Steelers at home. Paul. The Steelers did nearly lose to Cleveland, but they were playing their fourth stringers, I think. Um, that's not going to be the situation in this game. And Pittsburgh have got home field advantage, so it's going to be a Steelers win for me. Cat. I'm taking the Steelers. Okay. Well, that makes all five of us then. <laughs> so, yeah, all five of us have gone for the Steelers there. So, game four is the Giants at the Packers. Rob. I'm going to go with history on this one and say that the Giants are going to do it again. Okay, Paul. I don't have a second team in the NFL. But if I did, it would probably be Green Bay. I don't know why, but it would probably be Green Bay. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give them home field advantage. Green Bay win. Okay, Kat. Um, don't care for either team, but I think I would rather root for Aaron Rodgers than Eli Manning. So I'm going to take the Packers. Okay, Deepak. It's Lambeau Field and the armpits of winter. It's got to be Green Bay. So, Rob will be the only happy man in the fact that I've gone for the Packers as well. Basically because they're playing against the Giants and, as I've said, yep. <laughs> 11, time, 11 times this season, there is no way I can pick the Giants to win anything. 11 times. <laughs> That's how many times they've been in the in the pick six. I don't think the weather's yeah. really going to have that much of an impact in this game, is it? Because, you know, the Giants are used to playing in cold weather themselves. Yeah, they are. But it's Lambeau and it's playoff time. Yes. You know, it's different. But the two Super Bowl runs, the Giants beat Green Bay and Green Bay. True. And we did as well, actually. Yeah, this Kaepernick's true. finest hour. Okay, so that's the four games. So now we move on to who do you think is going to be the highest point scorers? This is this this is where everybody's got to remember the teams that they picked to win and not pick the other teams to be the highest <laughs> scoring team. <laughs> <laughs> Unless, of course, you're hedging your bets. <laughs> uh, Actually, yeah, well, maybe this could be a way if you're 50-50, you could pick one over the other, couldn't you? you um, mm, tactics. I or you could pick a tie. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know on this one. Who's going to be the highest scoring? Um, I'm going to go Steelers. Okay, Deepak. Is it Steelers and Dolphins, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Or, or any of the games. Could be any of the games. Uh, any gosh. of the four games, who's going to be the highest scorer out of all eight teams? Oh, so we've got the Steelers and Dolphins, we've got the Raiders and the Texans, we've got the Giants and the Green Bay Packers, and what was the other one? Detroit oh. and Detroit Seattle. And Seattle. Yeah. yeah, I think if there's points to be scored, it's going to be Pittsburgh that will score them, bearing in mind who the opposition are, etc. So, yeah, I'll go with Pitt. Okay. Cap. <sighs> I'm waffling between the Packers and the Steelers, so I think I'm going to take the Packers. Okay, Rob. I'm going to go with Pittsburgh as well. I think Big Ben, Brown, Levy and Bell is just too much. Too many points to score. And I've gone for the Steelers as well to be the highest scorers. Thanks, Kev. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so lowest scorers. Rob. I'm going to say Oakland. So I think Connor Cook's going to just do that. Okay, Kat. I'm taking Oakland as well. Deepa. Uh I think Detroit will find this, the atmosphere in Seattle a bit too much for them. Uh, I think Detroit will be the lowest scorer. Paul. As I pick Detroit to win, 
I would love to say that I think Seattle are going to score the least points this week, <laughs> but it's more than likely going to be the 49ers. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I can't get past Oakland. I really can't. I, th- I think they're just going to fall apart in Houston, and I could even see them coming away with zero. So Oakland for me as well. I've gone for the Giants as they get a um, 35-3 shellacking from the Packers. Oh, that would be beautiful. It really would be. That would be nice. So that's it for the pick six this week. And a a wonderful pick six is. Now, there's a tiebreaker, isn't there? There is a tiebreaker. And the tiebreaker is, in the 11 playoff games... What's the total amount of points that's going to be scored in those 11 games? Now, this is just a one tiebreaker, isn't it, for the entire playoffs pick six? the entire. Yeah. Yeah. So, what's the total number of points that are going to be scored in all 11 games? Yeah. So, Cat. Um, 465. Okay. Deepak. Cat, that's... (laughs) 100 points a game you're going for. <laughs> no, it's not. No, 11, no. It, no 11 it's, games. it's not just these four games, Deepak. It's all 11 games. So whatever your total is today, whatever your total you pick today, it counts right up to and including the Super Bowl. So, so let me get this straight. So we have to predict how many total points there will be for the entire playoffs and the Super Bowl. Yes. Yep. All 11 games, yep. Okay. Forgive him, guys. He's from um, Leicester. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say, you know what, Kat, I'm going to go right after you. I'm going to say 408. <laughs> Rob? I'm going to go for 471 on the theory that 42 is the answer to everything. 11 times by 42 is 471. That is fast math. Beautiful. That is fast math. Well, it's wrong maths as well because 11 times 42 is 462. <laughs> okay, that's not so fast math. Paul? I'm going to go 502. Okay. So I have actually been looking at this. That Since we went to having 11 playoff games in 1991, the average per year is 494. The lowest ever being 2001 on 389, and the highest ever was 96 on 574. So there has been a general increase in the average over the years. So... I've done all kinds of statistical methods on this, but I'm going to go for 524. Oh, so you've gone for the highest out of all of us. Can I change my mind and say 525? (laughs) (laughs) You can if you want. I think someone else has already gone for 525. (laughs) No. I I don't even think I'll be in the tournament long enough to make it to a (laughs) tiebreak. But so, somebody has gone for a massive 161 points. <laughs> wow. So every every game this round is going to end 3-2. It's going to look like match of the day. Yeah, it's not going to be it's not going to be in a very exciting playoffs if that's the case. <laughs> Do you know it could be an absolutely That's intense, the Texans Raiders. Yeah. It could be an absolutely intense <laughs> playoffs game <laughs> playoff series. At the other end of the scale, the most we've had so far is someone's gone for 696. And what's the most ever been so far? Uh, in five seven, five, seven four. four, and they've gone for what six hundred and ninety six. That's ambitious. That you're looking at 
That would be a hell of a play. You're looking at around 60 points fun. every game, aren't you? A, a little more yep. than 60 points every game. That that would be an intensely ridiculous playoff series. Yeah, it'd be 63 points a game on average. Wow. Just over. Wow. Well, there it is. That's our pick six predictions for this week and the um, and the tiebreaker as well. Um, make sure that you get all your picks in nice and early as usual um, in the manner as described by our good friend, Kev Naylor. It just makes it easier for him to sort it all out. Um, so, Kev... As... And the first game is Saturday night. Ah, so when's the cutoff? The, it's 4.25 Eastern, so 9.25 over here. Yeah. Is the first kickoff. So before that. So basically before night. before the opening whistle. Some terrific yeah. games though. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, they they're gonna be a great watch. Um we will have game day threads running. We'll we'll do two separate game day threads, I think, one for the Saturday and one for the Sunday. Um so make sure you get on them and join in the discussions. We do have one more thing to sort out before the end of the show. Um, and that is who do we think one name each for head coach and general manager whose question was it was Andrew Mitchell who do we want for general manager and who do we want for head coach let's go around the room ladies first Deepak (laughs) Kat go on general manager first oh god okay I have no clue Um, okay honestly the notes I have on this uh, at 5 a.m. this morning, I was listening to KNBR, <laughs> and the host of his show was uh, Patrick Connor was talking about the epiphany he had in the middle of the night, <laughs> which for him is like 11 o'clock at night. And he said, and I kind of went, "Huh, that's interesting." And I immediately woke my husband up so I could write it down. Um, Nick Saban as general manager. Ooh. I know, right? As Isn't in SEC Alabama, as... Nick Saban. Uh-huh. He already oh, had experience uh-huh. in the NFL and didn't like it. Hang as on, haven't we coach, done the college thing as, already? <laughs> as a coach, though. Yeah. He was a coach. This is true. You know, GM only, no coaching. It would be a way for him to redeem himself, and this is quoting Patrick Connor, uh, to redeem himself in the eyes of the NFL yeah. if he can build a, a solid a solid team. But then he also uh, put forth an assistant general manager. And I kind of went, oh, that's interesting. Lewis Riddick. I've, He's currently an ESPN analyst. Yeah, I've seen that name bandied former, about quite a bit, actually. Mm-hmm, former 49er. Mm. I'm like, okay, all right, interesting. So we're going to um, into the Chronicles of Riddick, then. Hey. Yeah, exactly. You got it. <laughs> and, and then head coach. Now, this truly is my choice. I, and I, I agree with Pecan 100%. David Shaw from Stanford. A college coach. It's, it's a decent shout because I think we are going to struggle to get an existing NFL coach. Deepak, your choice is GM first. GM, Kyle Shanahan. Okay. And head coach. This really is my dream on, okay. Um, but if he's available, I'd, with the situation we're in, I'd give him a blank check and say, write your, paycheck, write your salary on there and we'll double it. Sean Payton. Mm, that'd be an interesting one, I think. There, there was talk, was, was it pre-Harbour or post-Harbour about them trying to get Sean Payton and he, and he re-upped in New Orleans? 
It's post hardball. Oh, it was last year. Was yeah. it last year? Post hardball. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, Rob next. GM. GM, I think Elliot Wolf. Backers. Good shout, Rob. Mm-hmm. And head coach. For head coach, I would like Kyle Shanahan. So we got you going head coach Kyle Shanahan and Deepak going general manager for Kyle Shanahan. That's interesting. Very interesting. Kev, GM. I think my favourite GM brand is Vauxhall. To be fair. Yeah. Hey. Oh God. Um. To be fair, I don't know a great deal around general managers. Um. To be honest, not many people do know that much about any of these candidates that have been banded out. They're not names that we've heard of, mm. you know. I mean, we just have to go with people who have got the experience or have, have been in the game longer, you know. But do we know? No, we don't. Even with the head coaches, apart from one or two, they're, they're a foreign breed to us as anybody else. Yeah, I mean, on the whole, you don't normally hear a lot out of general managers. The only one who really really heard out much over the last five to ten years would be apart from our own obviously would be John Elway yeah 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 it's very it's a very good point actually um head coach um again where are we going to find someone who's actually available and willing to come if we could just pick somebody and just have they're going to be our head coach why wouldn't you just go for Bill Belichick that that, that's a never going to happen one (laughs) yeah Let's face it, that is never going to happen. Do you know, nobody's mentioned Brian Billick. I don't think he's interested mm. in coming back. Mm. He's that, got his that, gig that on the NFL Network. The problem. Yeah. Therein lies the problem. Who is going to be interested in coming? Yeah. Which is why when you say, who would you like to be, you can pick any name that you like there. You could, yeah. So you could. when you get around to the realistic of who will, that's a totally different matter. Yeah, yeah. My, pers- my personal choices, I'm going to say what I said at the top of the show. GM, Kevin Costner as Sonny Weaver Jr. for no other reason than he managed <laughs> to screw three draft picks out of the Seattle Seahawks. And Burt Reynolds as, as uh, Nate Scarborough's head coach because he even managed to get a bunch of prisoners to win a football game. I would have gone for so, Goldie how- Horn if I'd known the rules. <laughs> <laughs> So that is it for this uh, rather extended episode of the show, I think. Uh, thanks to AudioNautics.com for the music. Thanks to James Little, Mark Lyon, Andrew Mitchell and Graham Ross for all the work they do on the group and on the show. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Frequency49 and on Facebook, search The Frequency49 Show. It is time to say goodbye, boys and girls. Good night, everybody. Bye, everyone. On behalf of Cat Victorino, Deepak Gohill, Kev Nalen, and Rob Newell, I've been Paul MacDonald, you've been the audience, and this has been the Frequency 49 Show. Bye for now. 